So much for that stupid diet we thought we were having. <laughs> right? <clears throat> Wins are on the diet, aren't they? This is No Politics at the Dinner Table. I'm Tony Biancasino. I'm Amit Prakash. Tonight we're eating leftover pizza, wings, and brisket because we're losers. Yeah, but it's pretty good leftovers. It's delicious. <laughs> You finished all your food already. I know. <laughs> it's like done. I mean, in my defense, yeah. we were having some technical difficulties. Okay. And I, I passed the time by eating. I'm still going to eat. That being said, I left a little meat on some of these wings. Mm-hmm. Um, how, was the, how was the leftover pizza? I, got, I just got, well, okay. So, reprise of Conti's, right? So, Conti's is always good. But what we're having today, frozen wings... And frozen so, biscuit. So none of it's, it's it was it was frozen. It was frozen. Yeah, it was, it was frozen. It was made. Homemade. It was frozen. Yeah. And then, but everything. It's, it's awesome. I know. I, I was real. I just say I was like really skeptical. I was like, Come okay, on, this dude. looks great. Tony. Don't be Thanks. Yeah. But you don't remember like when you were a kid having frozen pizza or wings or anything frozen? frozen that was awesome. Frozen pizza is different. Yeah, but you don't remember oh. ever having like frozen weird wings or anything? No. Really? No. It's always good. No. I had like two types of frozen food when I was a kid. It Burritos? Was, it was not bur- actually, Well, actually, yeah, later on when I lived in California. but Sog but, Premier? No, no, they didn't have that back when I was growing up. Now yeah. they do. Yeah. Um, it was frozen pizza. Yeah. Or like frozen pot pie. <laughs> that was it. You have food, yeah. you have food all, all in over, your teeth, which is amazing because awesome. you just laughed and it looked like you were a smoker of 50 years. <laughs> but it's just brisket. It's just brisket. You would and have wings. like a chicken pot pie? Chicken pot pie. And That's I, probably good. No, I, I mean, I can't eat them to this day because... Oh, yeah. It was like a Wednesday night. We it was a, like, yeah, we were going to eat that. Yeah, but as a parent now, you must have some sort of sympathy for your parents. Like, oh, it's, cooking dinner sucks every single night when you have I kids. I don't cook. I don't yeah, cook. you don't do shit. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Can you cook at all? You cook a lot. I, I have to. Like, when McCole goes out of town, like, actually, it's funny. Like, when McCole goes out of town, like, the first three days... Yeah. It's hot dogs and no, mac and no. Cheese. The kids are like, "Dad, what are we ordering for dinner?" <laughs> <laughs> it's not like what's for dinner, and it's they're like, so excited. What are we going to order? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll, I'll make my little stuff. But no, I, I don't make any pretense that I'm a cook. Yeah, yeah. All right, should we get into it? Let's get into it. Um, so the big news, obviously, is the British exit. Ooh. Brexit. As you know what's so known. crazy? I didn't even know what Brexit was like a month ago. Or right? Almost three weeks ago. I, I, I think even... We were talking about this like yeah, five, well, six were, weeks yeah, ago. This, yeah. and Because no, no one took it seriously except yeah. for you. Yeah. And I'm like, I can kind of talk about it now. Oh, I know what's going on. Right. I've been listening to a lot of BBC. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Good. So there's been, a, there's been a ton, ton written about this. Um, just a quick thing on uh, last Thursday the British voted to leave the EU um, and um, one thing I'd like to ask you what 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 do you know about the EU what what is it what are what do you think of it you know what's so funny I was just yeah. having this conversation with yeah. somebody um, I guess what I know it to be mm-hmm. is if you were to take something like uh, NATO except we all put money into this thing and, and help each other out and it's a shared system shared currency there's a you know we can come into each other's countries to trade send money so it's kind of like an alliance Mm -hmm. um that really i think first and foremost promotes peace and also uh you know makes it so that europe becomes a united 
group of you know countries. Okay, okay. I think that, that's pretty much right, except for the it's like NATO, NATO part because it's the kind well, of the I didn't really yeah, mean right like kind of kind of the opposite of NATO because um, NATO is a military alliance yeah. essentially, right? And it's a, but isn't it's this a, kind of like um, it's not? So that's one thing that the EU is lacking, which 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 some people see as a problem, right? Um, is that there is not a common there's a common what they say is a common security policy but there's not a common defense policy uh and people and defense in our day and age essentially deals with sort of army yeah um security has come to mean for the eu border policy um so you know you know siphoning people at the at at the borders yeah um so it's a cobbled together group of nations that has been starting since the late 40s in yep. the wake of World War II. Um, started with economics, right? It started as something called the European Coal and Steel Community. Mm-hmm. And so it was basically Western European countries were going to band together right. um, to try to create economic implications to any political disputes, right? So the idea is that to use economics as a tool to basically assuage political problems, right? So that if we end up having a political problem, it's going to hurt all of us um, economically if we end up fighting. Right. So that you start with economics and then eventually you build politics on top of that. Um, So um, there's two big treaties that sort of do this. One is called the Rome Treaty of 57 and then the Maastricht Treaty of of 92. Um, Yeah. And... These basically just sort of cement and call in people, basically saying it's a voluntary union. If you want to join, um, the major benefit is that you're not going to be taxed or have tariffs if you want to sell your goods across borders. Sounds nice. Right? Yeah. So like the French, you know, for for most of modern um, European history, you know, there's these sort of fights about, well, German goods are going here and French goods are going there and, you know, they're going to fight about that, right? That that there's this sort of competition, that economic competition, which ends up and being military conflict, right? right? Um, and so the EU says, let's get rid of all that, right? So let's just have sort of open, uh, no tariff walls and so on. So it's kind of like the United States, right? Um, some European observers even call it the United States of Europe. Mm-hmm. Um but the other side of it, and this is the argument of the Brexit people, um, is that it's essentially a oppressive, Brussels-based, technocratic um, sort of maybe maybe rationalist, but but not really like understanding the peculiarities of each country in the EU, which are really different, um, and so they impose these rules from. You know, from their heads, essentially, and they're trying to sort of shape the culture and practices of very diverse countries. And so the British argument, the Brexit argument at least, was that rather than letting the EU dictate how we buy and sell, who we let into our country, um, even to the extent of our tax, tax rates and stuff like that, that we just do it ourselves. Sounds reasonable. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that that was, that, by the way, that was the argument of one, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so um, why do you think there's been such a controversy? I mean, do you think the controversy is deserved that, 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 
the Brit. I mean, because that is the argument, right? The argument is that let me let me give you uh, just a taste of um, um, a, a few of the things that people have said, right, uh, in the wake of the Brexit. So. Um, uh, Boris Johnson, we mentioned him before, yeah, right? he's a former, former, yeah. former, former yeah. mayor of London, right? So he's likely to uh, succeed uh, David Cameron. Uh, he said the Brexit vote was a, quote, victory for real people, a victory for ordinary people, a victory for decent people. Um, what do you think about that statement? I don't know. I mean, I, it, it sounds like bullshit. How? It sounds like he's just, uh, you know, appealing to his base, making him feel good. It's, and if you did, if you're not on the side of uh, the Brexit, then somehow you're there's a negative context to that. I don't know. It's it's just a it's a general weird statement. Yeah, I I I, I saw that statement and I just thought it was really packed. It's like you're made to feel like shit if you didn't. And now, I mean, they're victorious, right? So now they get to celebrate and put. You hear these kids upstairs? These mother. <laughs> Every day, these kids. I want to Brexit from these kids. <laughs> Honestly, the Brooklyn exit. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, okay. Um, yeah, I at first was kind of like getting sucked into how bad this is. This is so bad, blah blah. Mm -hmm. And then, like, as I started like listening to the other side, I'm like, it sounds kind of reasonable. I don't think it's that crazy. You know, I think it's a big change, and it's really weird. Um, cause they've been in the, in the EU for so long and it's like, they're kind of being like, we're out. Well, and, and so clearly it's going to, it's going to stir shit up, but I don't know. I mean, it, it, I bought 20 pounds the other day <laughs> as an investment. You know, I'm, I believe in the pounds, the pound so, sterling, uh, the pound from, sterling, which I, right, by the way, I didn't right, realize sterling right, was on right, the end of that. Right, right. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, I mean, here's one thing. So, so the counter argument to a lot of the, furor around the exit is that the British have only been part of the EU since 1973. Right? So that's not that long, right? The British have been around longer than since 1973. So they've been a country independent of the EU before. And it's actually, they've been more normal independent of the EU than with the EU. Right? Right. So that's one thing. In that statement, I just want to sort of point to one word, which is real. Right. You're really stuck on this. I'm stuck statement. on that statement, man. Uh, statement that, didn't bother me that much. It's it re- a, po- a politician okay. talking shit. Right, right. But I think it's just so freighted with meaning. The, and, and particularly the word real. Real people um, are the beneficiaries of this. Which, which I think there's a couple of implications for that. Um, one is that if you're against it, you're somehow unreal. Right. You're not <laughs> sort of really part. You're not really a Brit. Right. right? You're not really British. Um, and there's a sort of authenticity argument going on here um, that there, there's the authentic Brits, the real ones. The conquerors. Then, right, right. And then <laughs> the other ones, right? The other ones right. that are somehow not of this place, even though they may have been born here and you know, generations there and so on, right? Um, we know plenty of people um, like that, right? Yeah, of course. Um, but... I, this is a point that I see often lately, and we see in America too. Was a sort of real Americans versus you know that, that other thing, um, which is like it's kind of like I've come to this is that the notion of authenticity is kind of a fascist notion. Okay, that the argument that this is truly authentic is fascist. And what I mean by that is that it's usually the case that when people decide, oh, this is the real thing and this is the sort of fake thing, um, is a play of power, right? There's a moment when the person gets to define 
what that is, right. even though there's a struggle over the definition. Um, and then somehow this very particular definition becomes the universal one. Um, and that's what fascists sort of go with. It's like when you're right? a kid and you're like, I'm starting a club. And only cool people can get it. <laughs> right, right, and you're right. cool if I say you're cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think that's exactly the right analogy, right? So who's who's cool? Um, the other main thing I want to mention is that, like, just kind of like the rhetoric around this. There's like so much like analysis of like what this is going to mean and like basically and no one knows I, exactly I these think people get shit wrong all the it, i mean everyone's like they're gonna right. collapse the pound blah 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 and i'm just like get the hell out of here right right Dude, right when when the one of these people ever gotten anything right exactly. no one knows exactly no one knows last week what were our, what was our predictions on brexit then we're gonna stay in <laughs> yeah, we we're gonna stay in right yeah. right yeah. yeah so so nobody knows in my right? defense yeah it was a 50-50 guess. Exactly. I, I bet on red. I should have gone black. <laughs> right, right. Actually, it was a can I, when, I, it was a when you text yeah. me, blah, 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 yeah. I was like, damn, I should have said, because then I would have looked like smart. Right, but right, it right. You just I, went it the wrong guess. way. You yeah. went and then I could have been like, dude, yep. I told you. Yeah. I think often it's the case that people focus too much on the politician rather than their followers and what, because a politician is only as powerful as their accomplices, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and what they inaugurate, right? Like with this type of rhetoric of real and unreal and, you know, that, you know, and, and there's like all this subtext that everybody knows. Yeah. Right. That has basically become text. Right? <laughs> it's, it's basically become like, oh yeah, we get to write on mosques now and we yeah. get to write polls, get out and stuff like that all over Britain. Um, you know, that they that their triumph allows that I think that's the danger like it's not like them themselves but the forces that they unleash so you don't have a problem with the brexit per se you have a problem with the uh, the reasoning for the well brexit. I mean I think like I have a problem with the brexit per se actually like I I understand that the Which, way the EU has gone has been to the benefit of the upper echelons um, and has been there's a sort of class politics going on there that's very real right um, but on the other hand the idea of a sort of humane equitable EU is also possible um, and to sort of give up on that and go back into sort of just base nationalism is probably not the right direction well why don't we are we are, you, are we done with the brexit well, I think we're done with the Brexit. I mean, we've covered some Brexit right now. And be besides, we this have two is, years of covering the Brexit. This is this is our third Brexit conversation. I know. I think that's more than most. I, th I think it's time I for mean, some Legxit. Okay. <laughs> Let's, do Let's it. go get a drink. <laughs> Let's do it. All kids want to do is run. Run. Like running now to me is like I make my I have to I have to like get up in the morning and think about why should I run? Right. Usually it's right. like I promise myself like a nice coffee at the deli, like a, <laughs> and to make all these promises to myself. Little kids get up and they're just like running. Right. Like like they don't know what the hell's going on. Their legs are out of control. Right. Right. You forget about that because now like moving, just just even breathing is difficult. <laughs> Like putting my shoes on is literally like a like running a triathlon. I often almost pass out putting my shoes on. It's terrifying. I, I have started. That's to what make... that's what brought on the diet. Was when I was tying my shoelaces like like a month ago. Yeah, I 
it felt like after basketball practice in high school. Yeah. <laughs> it was just yeah. like, this yeah. is not good. The noises I've begun to make are frightening. They're frightening. If you record them, you can make a great horror movie out of the noises <laughs> I make bending over. It's crazy. And I'm not doing it for effect. I'm doing it because my body just has begun to make noises. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. It's scary. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> my God. Where are we going next? Okay. Um, Brexit. Brexit. Okay. So our next topic, um, I don't know if you heard much about this. Uh, teachers in Mexico. Have you heard anything about this? Any? Is that the band? <laughs> it's a great band. Is that a great band name? Yeah. Teachers, Te- in, teachers Mexico. in Mexico. I'd, I'd give it a shot. Right. Listen to the single. Right. What about Attacks on Teachers in Mexico? Is that even a better name? That's sick. No, that's <laughs> right. a heavy metal band. Right. Not interesting. Right. right. Okay. I, I kind of know that that's guys with long hairs going. <laughs> not, not into it. Okay. All right. So let me just give you a little scenario here. Um, June 14th. Um, Mexican teachers slept out on the town square of uh, Oaxaca, Mexico, which is in like yeah, southern Mexico. I know it is. Um, and riot police came and beat them, and helicopters came and sprayed them with um, tear gas from above. Okay. Um, and this was 10 years ago. All right. So 10 years ago in June. Since that time, there has been produced a teachers' movement in that region that is highly unionized, very militant, very vocal, very sort of uh, challenging of the government. Um, And the contemporary government has attempted to impose what they call education reform um, in Mexico. And so the teachers went out on strike again. And once again, 10 years later Mm -hmm. in June, the federal government put their forces in there, and now this time they've killed eight teachers um, who have been out on strike um, and arrested a bunch of the leaders and so on. Like like, like grade school teachers? Yeah, yeah. Right. Grade okay. school teachers, elementary school, like all the way up to high school, okay. right? Um, and essentially, this is, this is like a big protest movement um, over something that's become a norm in America, uh, which is... School reform in America is basically um, code for standardized testing and teacher evaluation based on student performance on standardized testing. Okay. Right? So um, they're trying to impose that in, in Mexico, and the teachers are striking right. on the basis of that. In America, there's, like a number of, there's a number of states, actually, that have put in place laws that, that I don't actually know how they pass muster with federal labor laws. But they basically ban the ability of teachers to strike. Mm-hmm. That if you're a teacher, you're not allowed to go on strike. Washington <laughs> State, Vermont, um, Michigan, um, all of these states have these laws on the books that saying that if you're a teacher, it's not within your rights to go on but strike. But they still do, don't they? They still they, do, yeah, right? The they teachers still, yeah, yeah. and they so, all do it together. So they still do. Yeah. Right? Um, and they, they, and when they do, there are these huge fights and saying you're breaking the law, and the teachers' union saying, but you know, federal law trumps your law, and so right. on. So there, there are these sort of debates. Um, but in Mexico, a debate over basically the labor practices of how to teach kids right. um, has turned deadly, right? Um, and. It's become one drop of the bucket of a much sort of larger problem of sort of 
federal power in, in Mexico and how like their local power is, you know, observed and mm -hmm. so on. Um, but yeah. the argument, the argument of the federal government in of Mexico is that the teachers union are asking for way too much for, for instance, one thing they're asking for, and apparently this is one of the things with the teachers union is that you can basically pick your own children to be trained to be a teacher. Right, what? and that's kind of yeah, like like a sort of artisanal model, right? So that you know, so like, the teachers my, can. My go. dad was a blacksmith, and he's going to train me to be in this sort of apprentice okay. model, right? And so that's stupid. Um, so that that's one thing, right? Yeah. Um, the other major thing, and like that's that's one thing. The major thing, however, is standardized testing, which has kind of been imported from America. That the notion that standardized testing is the basis for assessing school performance. Yeah, um, and that the standardized test scores that a student produces is pretty much a direct indicator of the quality of the teacher, mm -hmm. right? And that's what is the basis of these major protests. And so unlike in America where they do protest this kind of stuff and there's battles over this, in Mexico it's become <clears throat> murderous, right? Yeah. Um, who do you think has the better argument here? Ugh. I don't know. I would have been with the teachers, but that whole like train your kid to be a teacher thing. There's a lot of other little sort of add-ons, right? <laughs> it's with, like real bad that, idea. Right, right? With there's, so imagine if I was trained to be a teacher, I'd be a terrible teacher. Right. So there's, I mean, it's kind of built-in nepotism, right? Is that, just, yeah. you know, oh, my dad is a teacher, therefore I should get a job, right? Um, but what about the other argument about the teacher's argument, which is... <clears throat> Test scores are not necessarily a direct indicator of the Man, quality of the teacher. Man, I got it. That's a tough one for me because just using my own uh, experiences, I, I mean, I used to suck at those tests, right? Like, mm -hmm. I, I bombed every standardized test. But I also, like, didn't go to class, <laughs> right? So, like, it wasn't the teacher's fault. But I also look back and teachers that really inspired me and were awesome I actually went to their class and, you know, I think it's, it's a pretty complicated, um, issue. It's not, it's not as easy as the teacher did well, the kid does well, the, the teacher sucks, the kid sucks. I mean, that is a terrible way to measure any child and that's learning something. I mean, everyone learns differently. I mean, now we're, we're kind of addressing that there's tons of like, you know, um, learning disabilities and, and if, if that stuff's not being taken into account and also home structure and, and, you know, you don't know where these kids, if these kids are going home and no one's helping with their homework and they don't have food and blah, blah, blah. You know, the teacher can only do so much in a class. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always had this really, one is I definitely think teachers should be paid more. Mm -hmm. I think teachers, uh, have a very hard job. But I've, I've also backed that with saying, I think teachers should be paid a ton, like six figures a ton, but there should also be a ridiculous screening process and checks and balances because the problem, the problem is, and, and I didn't know this, but clearly they're having a problem in Mexico too, is people hate teachers. Like people mm -hmm. really hate teachers. I've always, I always found it weird because I grew up with a teacher who was a great teacher. Right. Um, and I have sisters that are teachers, and you're a teacher, and like I, I'm just like God. These guys work hard, and like it's it doesn't seem fair that they don't make a ton of money. They're raising your shitty kids. 
Um, but then, like, you do look back on a, on, a, on a majority of the teachers who were really awful, and you grow up one day, and you're not a teacher, and you're like, I don't want to pay Mrs., you know, whatever her face is. Like, those teachers suck. Like, they shouldn't make any money. That lady should make no money. So so when you have all these bad experiences over the course of 12 years, mm-hmm. and, and at least when I was growing up, I would say 70% of teachers were really bad mm-hmm. and we went to a good school district right you know they were they were half-assed they were okay if if you didn't learn easily they didn't go above and beyond but then there were the gems who we had that we remember we talk about they're the greatest teachers in the world so i don't know i mean standardized testing you know if you had a teacher that inspired his or her kids they probably would knock those out of the park mm-hmm. but unfortunately uh, there's so many outside circumstances that come in. It can it cannot be as simple as a test mm-hmm. that that you know measures a teacher's ability to teach. It's 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 just too complicated. Right. right. So I, I'm actually against all of them. Like I don't agree with the teachers either because what the teachers are asking for is ridiculous. So that's, they're asking that's for just, too much in your view. They're both. Yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a common thing where everybody there's just it's all wrong. You mm-hmm. know, we should get paid to go down there and rewrite this. <laughs> We could figure this what, out. What would you do? What would what would be your recommendation? That what what what? How should teachers be assessed? I think there should be a bigger, if at all. If at all. Yeah, I mean, I think there should be a, a a bigger screening process where you're really for your first year, you're intensely monitored. You know, I think I think if if you had a bunch of uh, a bunch of um, you know, monitors in there watching a teacher teach, you would you would know pretty quickly if this teacher was effective, if the children were responding, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think there needs to be, kind of like in my industry, you know, like I, I have to answer to a lot of people um, that are constantly looking at my work, that are constantly, you know, giving me tips and giving me pointers, and sometimes I'm right and they're wrong, and it's a conversation I'm always having where I feel like with teachers – you know, you're not constantly being critiqued by your supervisors. You know, you're you're busy. They're busy. There's there's a there's a level missing in education. I don't know what it is. I could probably figure it out. Of um, people that's job is to literally all day monitor. You know, which would mean more money. But I think you would get better results if teachers were held accountable for actually teaching and 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 breaking through to children. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um- there's a level missing. You know, you got one supervisor for a whole department, and that supervisor's got a ton of other stuff and usually teaches classes. Like, that's not a real supervisor. That's someone that kind of leads the curriculum, but that's not hands-on teaching. You know, that's just saying, here's what we're going to teach. Um, and then the idiot principal comes in, who usually was the the worst teacher who somehow got their credentials. <laughs> like, it's none of, you know, the, the best teachers don't become the principals. The best teachers don't become the you know, make the most money and then teach Mm -hmm. the other people how to teach. Where in most jobs, that at least I've been in, the best people on the creative side normally rise to the top. And then the people that are under you, you bring them along and they learn your things and they go learn from other people. Teaching is a tough thing. You get that job, you're there for 25 years. And it's, I think you make a good point, which is, I think that Union power for all the good that it does in protecting people. Yeah, um, it protects creating, bad teachers. Right, it also protects yeah people really who, bad are, who, are, who are not doing what they're supposed to do. Right, so that's the double edge of it. Um, the other side of that is that isn't it the case? And like I don't know, I'm probably speaking out of no knowledge here, but I I think it's like I've heard at least that it's the case that in your industry, yeah, that you know in, in the creative types they always complain about supervision from above, 
right? Like, yeah, that, that like, oh, like we can't do, just let us do what we want to do, right. you know, and like just let us do our thing because we're awesome. And we don't need the meddling hands of an outside supervisor to come, sort of come in and say you should do it this way and you should do it that way. Um, so for so for me, like I can I like as a teacher, I would say that the last thing that I want is a is feeling monitored in my classroom. That yeah, but the that, stakes that, are higher, right? That, because that for me, I feel like yeah. that the I do my best teaching when I feel autonomous. Yeah, but you're a good teacher, so. The, the, the issue with that is the stakes are higher in your industry than mine. In my industry, if I come up with a bad idea or idea I think is great and it gets criticized, you know, it doesn't affect people's lives forever. It doesn't affect the whole industry. You know, at some point in, in my career, I will get around that person, you know, and, and I'll prove them wrong very easily with one hit, with one, you know, success. And then they leave me alone. In teaching, it's a little different because, granted, you don't want to be monitored, but like you're in charge of kids, and and I think it's okay if you get monitored, and if you can pass a certain amount of whatever the structure would be, where yeah, he met all the checks, his kids are responding, you know, his failure rate is virtually non-existent, uh, the 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 children respond, all the parents like him, we believe in what he's doing then you don't get monitored as much anymore. You gotta earn, you have to earn that, you know? And I'm talking in your first few years to help you develop as a teacher. Because I had teachers that were, you know, in their 35th year that still sucked. And they probably sucked when they went in because they were never like sat down to be like, hey, we like you, but your shit's not working, Mm -hmm. you know? And the standardized tests are just, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think most teachers unions would be very, and, and I'm actually kind of against them on this is that, I do believe in tenure. I think that's it's a good thing. Um, and but the process to get tenure should be harder. Well, I, that maybe might be the maybe case. that's our like, solution. That, is you're really monitored for those three so, years. So I mean, there's like this double-edged sword, and and so I think it goes to what you were saying before: is that sort of getting through the gate should be made harder because if you do that, then teaching suddenly becomes a sort of prize profession. Absolutely. Profession because if you, you suck, have, find you know, a new job. Right, right? Sorry. That, that you have to do really well in school to become a teacher, and all these sort of things. Right. So, you know, there's various European models to do this where, you know, teaching is like a prize profession like lawyering and doctoring it should and all be. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, a profession that makes other professions possible. Right. Like right. that's the standard, <laughs> you know, line. Right. So that but the the other argument would be not only making it hard, then is that sort of continuously making it hard, like every five years you kind of get checked in on. Um, because here's, here's the other side is that you could make it really hard. You could get somebody and then they, their first three years, they're awesome yeah. and they do their tenure and then they coast. Yeah, for sure. And then you just coast downwards because yeah. the only way you can coast, right? So, so it's, it's yeah. then 30 years later, you know, no, they're still, totally. people you know, become so. complacent they have their own kids and they get tired, whatever. I'm just saying, you know, t- the, the issue is teachers don't get paid enough to really attract right. uh, people that want to get into it because they want to be great and they want the money. Like, you're a teacher because you actually enjoy teaching. You could definitely do something else and probably triple your salary. You like teaching. That's kind of rare, I think. I think a lot of, well, at least when I was growing up, I mm-hmm. felt like a lot of those teachers fell into it and 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 enjoyed the comfortable life um, of you know making an okay living for if you were married and having great health insurance and summers off and all that stuff. And even though it's not that nice, mm-hmm. it, it from the outside person, it's like, oh, you guys got it great. Like, right, blah, blah, right. blah. But I don't know. 
I think it needs to be just a little harder. Give them more money, make it harder. Okay, okay. Maybe yeah. not shoot them. No, I don't think shooting them. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah. I mean, there was one teacher. I'm not going to say her name. Okay, okay. But I wouldn't want to shoot her. Maybe a waterboard or something. All right, All right. All right. I've got a couple more wings. We're about to hit our last topic. Last topic. Last topic. Is that insane? Yeah. Well, oh my you know, God. we've gone from Brexit to Mexico to now back to the United States. We're coming back. Uh, we're coming back, circle, back home. Patriots. All right. We're from here. From the Midwest, um, St. Louis. So in St. Louis this week, um, the DNC is writing its platform, um, the platform that's going to be floated for a vote um, at the convention in July. Um and so a couple of things. So I just wanted, just so everybody knows, um, one of the concessions made to Bernie Sanders, even though now that Hillary Clinton has uh, clinched the nomination, um, is that he was allowed five picks to be on the writing committee. And he picked... Out of how many? So there's um, 13 total. Okay. Right? Not so bad. he gets five, okay. right? Yeah. So... Um, and he's picked people like Cornell West and Bill McKibben, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, environmentalist and James Ogby, a b- bunch of people who are, you know, very, very left, right? Did Probably you, left of him. Did you feel uh, left out? <laughs> no, no. I no, bet I one day we're going to get in there. I, I should hope so, you know? I mean, otherwise, what are we doing this for? All right, who else? Okay, so um, <laughs> the, 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 the thing I want to get across is that, so that was seen as a big concession, right? That, yeah. That that the DNC and I'm sure they got the okay from the the Clinton people that you know make a concession to Bernie, right? Because he's got this. He was won 20 states, so he needs to seat at the table, right? Um, but just make sure that he can be outvoted, and that's the point that's that I wanted to make. Um, yeah. Is that so? What happened this week is that Deborah Washerman Schultz, Ugh. her surrogates, um, and Hillary Clinton. Her surrogates voted down Bernie's surrogates' um, plans for taking TPP to for a vote. All right, that to vote against it, to ban fracking, um, and also to institute a carbon tax. Yeah. All right. So basically, um, economic slash labor issues and environmental issues. Right. Um, and the big one is TPP, right. because if you remember that while Hillary, Hillary Clinton once called TPP the gold standard of right, international right, right, trade right. agreements, <laughs> she has since moved her position um, and said that actually she would vote against it um, if she could now. And Bernie said he was baffled that her surrogates would vote against this given her position, right? So if her position right. is that I'm against TPP. She ain't real. But then That's her surrogates real. are saying, no, 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 we are for TPP. Right. What do you think is going on Come here? on. <laughs> we got played out. People got played out. That's what happened. Nothing. It's all bullshit. She just said what she had to say to get the, uh, the, the, in, the uninformed to go along. And it's worked. And it's all, it's all set up. This is all predetermined. Everything, nothing's going to change. None of her views that have flip-flopped when she's debating uh, Sanders, she's not going to keep any of that shit. Why, why would she have to? She never has before. She's flip-flopped on a million things. It doesn't matter. It's over. 
And you know what? You know what's so funny? It's not funny. But like we voted today, right? Yep. I mean, the people listening probably don't even know that there were, was a primary mm-hmm. for, for Congress. There was nobody in there. No. Know? And there no. was a guy in there who's like a, a, a Bernie crat, who's like, you know, yep. for the same things. And the problem is we just want, it ha- we want things to happen quickly. We just want to, you know, have one guy that can save it all. When Obama went, change, you know, blah, blah, blah. And everyone in three years later is like, he's not doing anything, blah, blah. It's like, it's not one guy. He, it's the start of something. Mm-hmm. And we're already, you know, what, I'm, I'm two months out of the New York primary and nobody in New York showed up to, mm-hmm. to support a guy. So it's like, it's all going to go back to the way it was. It was really nice. It was cute. It was a, we felt good. We, we, we believed. We got very frustrated. But it's, it's business as usual, dude. It's the system. That's we're, so we're, sad. Uh, it is sad. It's very sad. But that's, but the other option is the system crumbles and you let Trump win. Yeah, right. So that's, that's the alternative. Hillary Clinton is a very good politician. She's the best. I mean, she is. Um, no one. We never said she was a good politician. Right. We said she wasn't yeah. a good person. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's much different. So, so I mean, I this type of move is just brilliant. Actually, it's brilliant. You know that it's that now it's not her who's saying no to TPP. No, it's the will of the DNC. Debbie right? Washerman shouts. Right. It's it's it's, her it's, perm. it's what the party says, so that even though she's against it, she's gonna have to bite her tongue and represent the popular will of the DNC because she's the DNC candidate. Right? It's, it's a great move because she's exonerated. Absolutely. Right? She can still say, No, I'm against this, yeah. but this what am I supposed to do? Like not not represent my party. Yeah. Um, so she's done that. Um the other thing... Which, by the way, yeah. will go into the Trump vault for weapons. So it, it, it is, in the Democratic side, it's, oh, I'm off the hook. But believe me, the people that are gearing up for war against her, that's going in the vault. And, the, and she's going to get called out. Mm-hmm. She's going to get called out. So these are all... I look at these as... That's a shame. There's another Trump weapon. Okay. Because no matter what people think about Trump, you know, he's down eight points, whatever. He's an idiot. He doesn't want to. I don't believe any of that. I believe it's going to come. I think he's really surged when he finally got to start debating people. Mm-hmm. That's when he started surging and kicking the shit out of people. People like it. It was like a wrestling, you know, match. It was disgusting. It was entertainment. And we forgot what it was about. And I think when that, when that, when we start having those debates, these are weapons. These, that, this is bad. She mm-hmm. should, she should have, you know, I don't know. The other thing I wanted to mention about this uh, platform writing committee is that they debated uh, an issue that was n- going to be very contentious, and it was, which is over Israel. Yeah. Um, and one thing I wanted to throw out there is that have you heard the term pinkwashing? You ever heard that term? Yeah, but I think it's in a different context than you're about to tell me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to leave that as it is. I don't think that's a podcast friendly. Okay, uh, okay. okay. Yeah. So during. during <laughs> All right, man. Sorry, man. You're, you're blushing. Why, what, I, what are you thinking? I, I'm yeah, talking you're about? washing me. You pink just turned right now, red. Right? Yeah, 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 right. Wash your pink yeah, cheeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right. So the settle down. Take a breath. You're that really threw you off. It really did. <laughs> you're like a mess. You're sweating. Just, I'm like just, you're. <laughs> I'm because I'm just thinking how far your brain has gone together. Um, so while they're debating this issue of Israel, and essentially all the entire Bernie team is united around. Actually, one issue, which um, 10 years ago, even five years ago, would not have been a controversial issue, now isn't a controversial issue, which is to call 
what's going on in the West Bank an occupation. Right. Okay. Um, and they got voted down, right, that, that the DNC is not going to call what's going on an occupation, um, but rather disputed territories. Right. right okay. Right. Um, and so here, I'm just going to play this to you, and then I'm going to ask you the question again about pinkwashing. As, as a Jew, as a gay Jew, uh, a Zionist, Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East, as we all know, the only place in the Middle East that I can walk down the street with my wife, hand in hand, and uh, not be afraid. So that was one of um, the, I think, uh, Wasserman Schultz um, appointees, Bonnie Schaefer, who's the former CEO of Claire's Stores. Uh, Claire? Claire's, you know that Claire's chain? Claire's. Have you seen that? It's like a... It's like a soap store? No, it's, 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 I think it's, I think it's like a clothing Claire. store. Claire, like the name Claire. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So, so she's like a former CEO of that and. Come to Claire's. And yeah. And she's, <laughs> I don't know. I guess. A little jingle. <laughs> I guess. So you make I'm, it like up as jingles. you go along. Okay. Come to Claire's. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, the, her other title is that she's a big democratic donor. Right. Uh, so she gets to write the, write the platform. Um, so let me ask you again. What do you think the word pink washing means? Are you serious? I mean, whatever it means, it's a bad, it's a bad, I mean, they should have come up with something. This is like, you know, I'm, I have a fifth grade mentality right now. Um, pink washing. I don't know. You got me. Okay. All right. So what they're talking about is the issue of occupation, yeah. right? That there's a military occupation, kind of like, you know, we occupied Japan, we occupied Germany, which meant not, it wasn't nice. It was that we, our soldiers pointed guns at German <laughs> citizens for five years, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's what's going on, except in, in Israel slash Palestine, it's been going on since 1967. Right. Right. Um, and in response to that, the argument that Bonnie Schaefer makes is that I'm gay and I'm allowed to be gay in Israel. And the argument of pinkwashing is that you basically obscure the issue by using gay rights as a ploy to say, but look how liberal they are, <laughs> right? right? So that they're so liberal that I can walk hand in hand in Tel Aviv. Um, pay no mind to the fact that Palestinians are under military occupation. Right. Should right? they call it rainbow washing? Um, maybe. Is not like the gay flag? I, I, think, I think pink is also the other color. Um, uh, pink's my favorite yeah. color. Yeah, okay. Okay, well. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But that, that's, that's what it means, right? Okay. Um, so this was, this was the strategy sort of brought out again and again. And one of the people on the committee um, was Cornell West. I love Cornell um, West. And sometimes, a- you know, like Cornell West, I, lo- I, I love and hate sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> he says stuff that I'm just like, oh, why did you say that? <laughs> really just pro- I know, I think I like that about problematic. him. He's like the uncle who you see at right. Christmas and you're like, this is going to be good. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. I mean, it's usually, you're going to talk about it. Um, yeah. but, but other times he's, he's the guy you want speaking because he's actually just says what he thinks. Right. Um, where everybody else is beating around the bush, right? right? Um, so I just want to play you a clip of what he said in response to, so this, okay. is, this is at the end, right? This is at the end. I just want to set up the clip a little bit. At the end where um, they've been voted down, 
They've been voted down on all their environmental right. uh, suggestions. Right, right, They've right. been voted down on uh, the the fight for fifteen fifteen dollars right. an hour. They've been voted down on Let's just say Medicare for all. Yeah, for so everything. all of Bernie's major yeah. platform positions, they gave him the concession of bringing them to the table, only to vote them all down. Yeah, right. Um, and it's so like this, the red wedding. Right. <laughs> okay. There we go. Um, so and here's his response. We can't say a word about TPP if we can't talk about Medicare for all explicitly. If the greatest prophetic voice dealing with impending ecological catastrophe can hardly win a vote, and if we can't even acknowledge occupation as something that's real in the lives of a slice of humanity, I don't care what color they are, I don't care what culture, whatever, then it just seems to me there's no way in good conscience I can say, take it to the next stage. I wasn't raised like that. That's not my calling. Doesn't mean I'm better than anybody. I'm just being truthful. So I have to abstain. I have to abstain. I have no other moral option. It'd be a violation of my own limited sense of moral integrity and <laughs> spiritual conscience. Yes. And it's not an attempt to downplay anybody else, but that's how I roll. Oh, I love him so much. That got me pumped. Okay. I want to go like, like throw a ball with you in the backyard. <laughs> okay, so I, I, I brought that up because... That's one argument of the Bernie or bust people. Yeah. Right? Which is that so he's he's abstaining from voting on the DNC platform, yeah. even though he literally has a seat at the table, right? And yeah. he's literally at the table. He's saying, I'm not going to vote. Right? Because it's not it's, a real it's against, vote. It's against his conscience, right? Um, and so the argument of the people who are saying that I'm not going to vote for Hillary Clinton um, is that effectively it's against my conscience to vote for somebody who I think is a warmonger, who I think is just sort of in bed with Wall Street and, and so on. So basically antithetical to Bernie Sanders, right? right. Um, so do you think that's a defensible position given, that, given the opposition? What, I think what Cornell West is saying is that he has a, a, a set of moral codes, whatever they may be, that trump him having to do something against that code. So mm -hmm. for me, you know, my argument, when I do argue just for the sake of arguing, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to vote for Hillary Clinton as much as I hate that. But there is a piece of me that I don't want to be responsible when she sends more people to die in Syria, which we know is going to happen. I want to be able to say in four years when hopefully she loses to a really great candidate that I didn't vote for her. And I'm, I, you guys did, and I'm not, I'm not responsible for those people dying, and that is part of my moral code. Mm -hmm. So I, I think to cast a vote is also to be implemented because you voted that person in, and that is assuming that she will be better than the other guy, which is Trump. Where there is a possibility, maybe slim to none, that Trump may actually get in. We don't go to war with people, and no one dies, and and maybe in four years he's gone. So. That's a bet that people are making like very like, this is an easy one. It's not that easy. Mm -hmm. You know, Trump sounds terrible. Hillary Clinton has been terrible. So you, you know what I mean? There, there's a chance, right? I mean, would you argue? I, I don't think we either mm -hmm. one of us believe it, but there is an argument to be made that, yeah, he sounds like a monster, but maybe he would get in and not be terrible or, or maybe people wouldn't die and, and he wouldn't build a wall. And So you obviously it's all hypothetical, right? It's all so, hypothetical. So, so, but, but Hillary but Clinton I, has for, made promises that she's already, um, you know, reneged on, yeah, reneged yeah. on yeah. at least, by, you know, by organizing a, she doesn't really have to renege, but she's reneging. So right. it's like, she's already 
not keeping her promises, why can't we assume Trump will get in and not keep any of his promises, which would be great, actually. It's not so much his policies, but what he allows to be permissible in our society. Sure. Right? That what becomes tolerable. Yeah. Right? That intolerance becomes tolerable. Yeah. Right? Um, and so... That's what I worry about. So for me, that like that's that's very troubling. Like I just think that's just. It's, but, but would you it's accept? Very, very, very. Would you accept the argument that you know the money from Wall Street and and the financial institutions that Hillary Clinton's in bed with are kind of setting a tone for what she's allowing, which is pretty horrible as well. Yeah, no, no, absolutely, right. right? So, so there's I, there's a. So you're talking I, about this from a, no, no, no. I, yeah. I agree with you, right? I mean, I, there's it's like a rock and a hard place, right? It's it's uh, there was a great tweet from Edward Snowden that summed this up perfectly, I thought. It was, he said that, um, um, what did he say? He said, uh, politics, it's the art of convincing people to pick the lesser of two evils while forgetting that each choice is evil. Right. <laughs> right. 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 So that um, even though you, you've chosen, right, that it's still very problematic. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm still like kind of at sea. Like I, my conscience is telling me one thing, and then sort of prag- pragmatism and my anti-Trump desire is telling me another thing. I know. Um, so I don't know. Leave it. I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. Next uh, next week. Um, oh, all Scotus all the time. <laughs> Fourth of July special. Yes, well, the week right. of Fourth of July to celebrate our real Independence yes, Day from yeah. the American Indians, <laughs> um, where we're going to discuss nothing but supreme court and we're going to try to get a guest on we'll save it yeah. hopefully that'll happen yep yeah um and that'll be fun yeah you know yeah I mean, i'm getting into the supreme court you yeah know? it'll be our first guest yeah it'll be our first guest yeah, yeah. um i want to give i actually want to give a shout out and okay. i you know I, I i keep forgetting to do this uh but we have a lot of uh you know army rangers and military uh personnel that are fans of our show oh no way yeah and i, I we're eventually gonna have some of them on but like these are some badass awesome people who listen to us who are entertaining us and don't think that i'm that dumb they think you're smart uh so we give a shout out to our military that listen all right and uh get those boys and girls on keep on listening and uh you know we'll come back next week and Talk Scotus. Scotus. Uh, no Politics at the Dinner Table, produced by G. Beta Roy. Uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week.